Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Cardinals GM Steve Kime. Kime time. With Burns and Gambo. Presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert. We are Santan Ford. Welcome back to the Burns and Gambo show on this Friday here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Every Friday at 3 o'clock, it's our opportunity to talk football with the general manager of the Arizona Cardinals, Steve Kime, as the cards get ready to take on the Rams this weekend. Steve, good afternoon. How are you on this Friday? Going fantastic, man. Just uh, celebrating that Hamilton Husky win. And last play of the game, Matthew Canetta, the kicker, punched it through the uprights. And uh, we were victorious last night. So, outstanding night. It was all in the coin flip, right? Uh, Sources close to me telling me that it was all about the coin flip. That's what won the game? I mean, I'm I'm not going to lie. The coin flip was not very good. And I do need to put some effort and attention to detail into that. I'm not going to lie. My wife went to Chandler High. She's a wolf and she hates Hamilton. I mean, they do hate each other. Yes. I mean, I, I, the one thing I will tell you is uh, Elmer's, the Mexican restaurant across from uh, Chandler High, maybe the best burrito I've ever had. So yeah, Chelsea, no, Chelsea's there. bragged about that for a whole lot. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, yeah she phenomenal. knows all those places. Phenomenal. All right, don't let's ju- don't judge it by the facade. <laughs> okay. Yeah. No. Absolutely. So those hole in the wall places are always the They're best, always the aren't best. they? They're always the no best. Question. No I question. look. I I think I know you well enough over the years that you know that this is probably really, really getting to you. The the, the three and six start with the NFC being the way it is and being <laughs> wide open that you guys have struggled. So, I mean, I'll just ask you, how much how much of the responsibility do you bear for this start? And, and what do you think you could have done differently at this point? I mean, I bear uh, a lot of the responsibility. And I think when you're in this position, I think you have to own where the mistakes come. And, um, you know, to me, when you have a good organization, which I think we do, and you have a good culture, you know, this is the time of the year with this record that you start pointing fingers. And to me, that's 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 not the kind of organization we want to have. And um, I certainly own it. You know, it's 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 uh, a roster that I had put together. You hope that roster becomes a team at some point and plays in unison. And uh, we have not done a good enough job yet. So I certainly own that. And um, obviously, with the injuries and the things that I've talked about before, that you cannot use as an excuse. Um, you know, I just I should have done a better job creating depth and uh, putting a, a better squad together. But I do have faith in the guys and the team and the players in the locker room, our coaching staff, and have that confidence that we can get this um, thing turned around and obviously have enough opportunities to do that. So, but again, I, I certainly hold myself accountable. Yeah, let's start with the let's start with the confidence in the coach. What makes you believe at this point that Cliff is still the right guy for the job, and uh, is his job? on the line right now. No, I mean, I think Clifton has, you know, done everything he can in his power. And I think at times, you know, there we've had enough meetings. We've had enough internal discussions that you see the, the film and the different things that are taught and the mistakes that are made. And I, I feel confident that our coaching staff is doing a good job of trying to get, put these guys in positions to succeed. At the end of the day, we know that they have to execute. And, um, you know, we just haven't executed it good enough. And for whatever reason that is, I can't put my finger on but you know it's something that we're certainly working on every day 
today and is at the top of our list to, to fix it. Uh, again, it starts this Sunday against the Rams. There's a lot of uncertainty, obviously, with this game coming up, but uh, another opportunity for us to, to, to put our best foot forward. This is It's about as loud as I can remember it being in the Cliff Kingsbury era. How, how do you guys navigate the noise, whether it's the fan base, whether it's the media, whether it's whatever? How, how do you guys navigate how loud it is right now with the level of discontent there is right now about the cards, Steve? Uh, I think it's an experience for me. I think it's one of those things that I think about whether it's traffic, free agent signings, or anything else that has happened in my career. Um, the negative feedback that initially uh, followed versus the way it turned out and then you know, the silence begins. So you have to believe in what you believe in. Trust your gut. Trust your instincts. I trust Cliff Kingsbury. I think he's a uh, an excellent football coach and a great play caller. I think he's going to get a turnaround and, and uh, again, have confidence in not only him, but our entire coaching staff as well. We were given the benefit of kind of that behind-the-scenes peak with the debut of Hard Knocks, and, and you know, we'll, we'll talk about that sporadically over the course of our conversation here, but specifically, we did see a lot of stock being put into that C. Seattle game going into going into it, how how much it meant to the organization and how much it meant to the season. Off the tail end of that now with the loss, how big of a letdown was it to lose that game? And now what's sort of left for you guys in your view to play for against the Rams since you didn't get it done against Seattle? Well, every game that we lose is, is, is to me, just as, as difficult to deal with. So I, I really didn't put any more stock into this one. Obviously, the chips get bigger and, uh, you know, the, the stakes get higher when you, um, you know, continue to go throughout the season. But at the same time, you know, it's a week-to-week league. And, uh, you know, again, you know, you lose a game and it's the end of the world. You win a game and you just want to get to the next game and win again. And it's, it's tough. And it's uh, a stressful job. But, uh, again, I have a lot of confidence in people in that building that we can get this move turned around. Yeah, let's talk about that. You've got the faith in, in Cliff and the coaching staff and the players to get this turned around. Let me ask you about the owner, Michael. You know, you're, you're with him every single week. You talk to him. What's his feelings? What's his confidence level in, in you, the coaching staff, and the team right now? We talk daily. And I'll, I'll say the one thing about him is um, – and to give him a lot of credit, he is not an absentee owner. And when I say that, it means that he is in there every day. He's rolled his sleeves up. He's getting to work. He's doing everything he can to improve the organization. He's asking the right questions. And when we're put in positions where we make mistakes or we don't achieve at the highest level, number one, he's supported. And number two, he's educated. He's educated because he sits down and he does the work and he watches with us. And he'll watch the film. He'll see where people have made mistakes. He'll see where... We have made mistakes. And, um, again, just for him to be educated and to understand the big picture to me is uh, is a lot of it. And, and, obviously, just the way he's built and the way he's wired and the natural support that he brings in every day to the office. Yeah. Steve, I was totally on board with the Kyler Murray contract extension. I thought you had to bet on the kid. I mean, he's an extremely talented player, and we've seen him do some absolutely amazing things on the football field that other players can't do. But I think it's obvious that we all would agree that he has regressed this year. He has not gotten better. He's gone backwards a little bit. Why do you think that is? You know, that's a great question, uh, Gambo, and I would say this. The one thing that, that, that we've done this year, and um, 
you know, I would say that this is the, probably the most critical I could be is to say that we have to negate negative plays on offense. Defensively, I think we would all agree that we've played at a much higher standard than everybody probably expected. I'm really proud of a lot of those young guys that have, have stepped up and, and done some good things. Now, that being said, offensively, you know, I think there are some times where we've looked at it where we've regressed, and some of it's just poor decisions. It's, it's, it's taking negative losses. It's putting yourself in a bind and beating yourself, which is, you know, where you're putting yourself in second and 18, third and 22. Those, op- those, 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 those are not good options. There's no play calls for third and 25. I mean, it's just not a realistic thing. And to keep putting yourself in that predicament um, is really tough, and that's what we've done to ourselves. But I do think we can climb out of it. I think we can fix it, and I think we have the right people in place to do that. Steve Cotton, the general manager of the Arizona Cardinals, joins us on Arizona Sports. Let's let's talk about just the lack of downfield passing because that's always for us. 3.5 yards per pass play last week. You've got the weapons, and then when I watch game film, I, look, I, I've always said I think it's more Kyler than Cliff, my honest opinion, because in looking at the game film, I see plays that are open all over the field. It's, I don't think Kyler's seeing yeah. them. To me, if Kyler doesn't have his first read, he's in trouble. If the first guy's open, he's dynamic. If the first guy's not open, he's going to struggle. Why do? You, why is this team not going down the field more? Well, you know, I think number one, um, there's something to be said with chemistry. And uh, again, this is not an excuse, but Kyler did not play much in the preseason with COVID, the wrist injury. Obviously, we did not have Hop. Robbie Anderson wasn't a part of this team. Hollywood's hurt. So there's a number of things that have gone on that do um, disrupt timing and precision. And to me, you know, I think that it's one of those things that we got to continue to work through it and not get frustrated. I mean, obviously, this time of year when you have a record like this frustration is easy to set in and fingers are easy to point but at the same time to me this is the time of year whenever you try to get those things fixed you acknowledge it and you move on and I think that you know I think that the more time he spends with Robbie and Hop and those guys and they get acclimated to the, to the offense that, that things are going to work out and uh, it's going to get better but again I think really the timing and all those things that come with playing those particular positions I think has been tough aside from you know listen LeBron like fifth or sixth offensive guard, it's it's uh, right. I could be um, I could be the best GM in the NFL, and and quite frankly, I mean, when when you're having to deal with some of these things, it's it's pretty tough and difficult to, to manage. I know Kyler is uh, game time for the game against the Rams on Sunday. Obviously, Aaron Donald has a real history against the organization, and you're you just noted the injuries on the offensive line. Is this truly going to come down to his ability to move around on Sunday before you clear him or don't? Yeah, I think so. I think that, number one, that's every week for Kyler. I think part of his game and what makes him dynamic is his ability to use his feet to make things happen on the run. But, uh, you know, no different this week. Obviously, Aaron Donald presents a tremendous really puts us in a tough position because of what we have inside and the, the injuries that we've incurred. But at the same time, I have a lot of confidence in our coaching staff that they'll scheme some things up and uh, give whoever is playing quarterback, whether it is Tyler or Colt, which we have a lot of confidence in, the ability to get the ball in their hands quickly and make some plays. I'm sure you're really proud of the development of both Isaiah Simmons and Zayvon Collins, two first-round picks that have really, really blossomed this year. I mean, hell of a play by Zayvon Collins, the interception return for a touchdown. We've seen Isaiah with the sack. Those guys are playing at a higher level. The defense, though, has given up a lot of points these last three games, 34, 34, and 31. What are you seeing as some of the issues with the defense lately? 
Well, number one, I think our offense has put our defense in some tough positions, quite frankly. I mean, whether it's turnovers, whether it's yard, a field position. Uh, I, I think our defense, Gambo, quite frankly, has played very, very good to a degree. And then there have been times where we've been not, but not broken. And then more than anything, you know, in a position where, you know, we're, we're, we're sitting there and then, you know, you play so many snaps and, and you get tired. And then and there's a rotation and, you know, all of a sudden some of your stars are off the field and, and, and again, it, it puts you behind the eight ball, and that's never a good situation. But um, when our defense has had its opportunities, I think we've had good takeaways. I think some of those young playmakers have been dynamic. I think some of the rookies have come on, whether it's Cam Thomas, my Jay Sanders. They have done some good things. And uh, I, I can will continue to think that, that that's going to happen throughout the rest of the season. But I've been very proud of our defense overall. All right, we've kept you very, very long. I just got to sneak one last in, and that's about Buda Baker. Is he going to play? on Sunday after that high ankle sprain? I wouldn't bet against him, man. I'll tell you, as you guys have seen throughout his career and, um, you know, throughout whether it's hard knocks or any other thing that has featured him, the, the guy is the ultimate um competitor. I mean, he is a true warrior. I would never compare anybody to a soldier in war, but this guy comes every day with the same attitude, the same mentality, and he plays at a different speed from anybody else on the football field, which is exactly why we traded up to get him. And you know, I had a first-round grade on him and couldn't believe he fell to the top of the second round and thought it was a great opportunity to strike. And, and, and again, Buda Baker is a guy that would make every team in the NFL proud. Steve, we appreciate the time. Thanks for letting us keep you a little late. We apologize for that. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks, man. Gambo, get back to the gym. I'm, I'm, I'm trying. I'm trying, to, I'm trying to look like you. Thanks, Steve. Thanks, Steve. Steve Kemp joining us here on the Arizona Sports Line. When we come back on Burns and Gambo, we'll react to what Steve Kime just had to tell us about the state of the team going into this game against the Rams. It's coming up here on the Burns and Gambo Show. <laughs> Friday with Burns and Gambo, presented by 72 Soul, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. I bear uh, a lot of responsibility, and I think when you're in this position, I think you have to own where the mistakes come. And, um, you know, to me, when you have a good organization, which I think we do, and you have a good culture, you know, this is the time of the year with this record that you start pointing fingers. And to me, that's, that's, that's not the kind of organization we want to have. And um, I certainly own it. You know, it's 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 uh, a roster that I have put together. You hope that roster becomes a team at some point and plays in unison. And uh, we have not done a good enough job yet. Oh, Steve Kime, we just had him on for his weekly visit a moment ago, and uh, we went a little bit long with Steve. And again, uh, our thanks to Steve for letting us go a little long with him because we had so much we had to ask him about, given everything that's going on with the organization. Pretty frank conversation, at least some portions of it, certainly that we just had with Steve a moment Listen ago. To Things we just had to ask, you know, how much of uh, do you hold yourself responsible for the problems with this team? Um, is you know Cliff? How much do you do you hold Cliff responsible? Is is Cliff is Cliff's job on the line? Uh, does Michael Bidwell have your support? I mean, these were questions that I think people wanted the answer to. I'm getting a lot of reaction right now on Twitter, but I think people wanted to hear what Steve had to say. His responsibility, you know, especially in, in the three and six football team, and, and how he views Cliff, and if he still has faith in Cliff to run this offense. Yeah, and and what we got was what I interpreted 
is a reaffirmation of Cliff, which maybe shouldn't surprise a lot of people, given that many think that Cliff and Steve are kind of tied together at this point. You know, there's been a lot of talk that if the Cardinals were to go a different direction at head coach, you know, do they put Steve Kime in the position to be able to decide who that coach is, given how the last couple of years have gone? So there might be, for lack of a better word, a marriage, you know, between Cliff and Steve at this point when it comes to running the Cardinals, that maybe Michael sees it differently and he doesn't view it that way but it is certainly in Steve Kimes best interest to have Cliff Kingsbury work out right yes. I mean I'm not going yeah. out on much of a limb by saying Steve needs Cliff to work out he if might, for no other reason he might have to have him work out like that might be like hey, this Th- is that they're married they're, they're uh, right. married you this know? is it it's like it's 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 me and you or it's neither of us and I don't it's both of us or neither again, of us that's speculation nobody knows whether that's the case or not but I know a lot of fans and a lot of media have sort of concluded that how else could it be any other way? You know, I, I mean, how how does Steve get to choose another head coach if that's the direction they want to go? So Steve is blaming himself for three and six. Uh, you asked him the question about the confidence he has that Cliff is the right head coach to fix this. Here's what he said. I mean, I think Cliff has, you know, done everything he can in his power. And I think at times, you know, there we've had enough meetings. We've had enough internal discussions that you see that the, the film and the different things that are taught and the mistakes that are made. And I, I feel confident that our coaching staff is doing a good job of trying to get, put these guys in positions to succeed. At the end of the day, we know that they have to execute. And, um, you know, we just haven't executed it good enough. And for whatever reason that is, I can't put my finger on, but, you know, it's something that we're certainly working on every day and is at the top of our list to, to fix. Yeah, he talked about the, uh, I don't know if we have the cut, about the roster that he put together. Look, ultimately, I put these guys together. I put this roster together. I, you know, I, I bear the blame for it because, you know, and I think the thing that he kind of said was I just adapt, right? I think he's kind of, ups- the thing I got out of that was I think he's upset with his, the way he put the depth together for this team. Because he had to go out and get Billy Price late. He had to go get Cody Ford late. He had to go get Trayvon Mullen. Just think about all the guys that he had to go get. And I think that's because the depth obviously got challenged with all the injuries. But I think I took out of that. If he can go back and do that all again, it, the depth would have been uh, an issue that he would have addressed better. Well, certainly that's something we've talked about all season long with the Rodney Hudson situation, right? I mean, that's the one where man, would you love to have that first round draft pick back. Man, would you love to have taken a center with that first round draft pick so you aren't reaching for the Billy Prices of the world or the Sean Harlows of the world to be your backup center when very clearly Kyler needs a strong center in front of him to navigate through this. Right, Kyler Murray's just a better, different quarterback when Roddy Hudson's been his center. And so, I, you, you, if you want to blame yourself, if you're Steve for not having the depth, that conversation probably starts with the center position and just not being at adequately prepared for what has been a non-season out of Rodney Hudson, right? Which which I guess in some ways, look, it's easy to say this in hindsight, that's kind of predictable, isn't it? The guy was contemplating retirement all summer long. There kind yeah. of had to be a and he found out. better backup plan for what was going to happen if there was no Rodney Hudson, given that he was thinking about not coming back all off-season long. Look, I don't know what's on his mind, but it's fair to ask if the only reason he came back was because if he did, did retire, he was going to have to pay back a whole lot of money. Like, maybe that's a reason why he came back. I don't know. 
or maybe he's legitimately hurt. We, we, whatever the reason is, they haven't gotten anything out of Rodney Hudson this year. Haven't gotten much out of him. So that's an area. But the depth, you know, I think that's something he'll probably go into next season and, you know, try to address and do a better job of making sure they have more quality depth at certain positions. Yeah. Um, we encourage you to go back and listen to that interview, ArizonaSports.com or on the Arizona Sports app. Uh, a lot in there to dissect, and certainly we'll have a recap written of it, certainly at ArizonaSports.com as well. When we come back, we've got the very latest from the Suns' magic in terms of the injuries, who will, who will not play tonight. Plus, we're going to talk about DeAndre Ayton. It hasn't been a great season yet for DA, even though he's got the big contract. The question is why. We'll try to answer it next. Burns and Gambo. And Gambo. Afternoons on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. I wouldn't put this one of my Elton top ten. Ah, I kind of like it. A little kinky D. Yeah, you would like it. I do like this song. You, this, you would like this. Why? Because it's got kind of a disco sort of feel to it. And I, I, I actually think quietly, secretly, you like disco. I love disco. Well, there you go. See, it's not so quiet. It's not so secret. So we should play the roller rink, baby. It's a good song. I'm, I'm just... Yeah, crank this up, Mick. This my, this, Mitch. Mick. 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 Mitch. Mick. Mick. I call him yeah. Mitch. Call me Mick. <laughs> Although I'm right from the start, I'm looking forward to you you singing along to the concert because I remember once upon a time when uh, you two came to concert, you were impressed that I was singing along to every song. Yes. When we saw you two for the Joshua Tree uh, 30 year anniversary tour, you'll be singing along. You'll be in the front row just singing your heart. Really not like this? This uh, no no no. This this is my not. Top ten okay. Elton John songs. Okay, I could name ten others that I, I like it. more than this yeah. one. I like it. I'm sure he'll play it. Will he play that? I really like. I that think song. he'll probably play this one. It's just it's not it's not my it's not my top ten. That's yeah. all. It's not. I hate. I don't hate it. It's just not my top ten. What's wrong with disco? Uh, disco's fine. Mm-hmm. It's actually nothing's wrong with disco. I like disco. There's some really good disco. It's just that song just never yeah. really was never. Y'all trying to get clickbait? No, we're not. I like disco. You know what? It, Look, he disco's he, dead. He's like disco. Called you by the wrong name, you know. Don't Mick, Mick, Mitch, Mick, no, Mick, hey, Mick, crank Mick. this, Mick, Mick, Mick cut me, Mick. Turn this up, it's Mick. internal. <laughs> it's internal. We have internal issues here. Uh, yeah, big time. Um, the Suns. Speaking of money, Williams telling you that it's internal. The Phoenix Suns. Uh, no, Chris Paul tonight. He will not play. He has okay. been ruled out. And while we're on the conversation, Paolo Bonchero has also been ruled out by the Orlando Magic. Ah, he will this- not play. I wanted to see the kid. Left ankle sprain, he won't go. He's out. Wanted to see him play. Really wanted to see him play, but that's okay. That's all right. Five o'clock tip time. You'll hear it on ESPN 620. We'll keep you updated, completely updated on the game here on Burns and Gambo. We overlap by about an hour or so, so we'll keep you updated there. Of course, tonight, another opportunity to see how no Chris Paul, no Cam Johnson, no Landry Shamit. He's out with a concussion. Once again, the bright, hot spotlight shines on Devin Booker, who's very used to it. But the other guys, Mikel Bridges, who was huge the other night in the win on the road. Best game. And then DeAndre Ayton, who mm-hmm. was not the best the other night in the win against Minnesota. And who, quite frankly, has been real hit and miss so far this season coming off the big contract. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot going on you know, with the DA. He's definitely been up and down. He's it, it, And the problem is that... 
because they're playing Chris different differently. DeAndre's not just screen and roll, screen and roll, grab it. Like his rebound numbers are down. A lot of times you would screen, roll to the basket. You either get it or you get a great chance at a rebound. They're not doing that anymore because they're not running the same offense with Chris. So DA's kind of got to manufacture and create more for himself. So even with the, the Sun switching more, you know, he's not in the help position that would have put him in a better rebounding spot. You see him def- defensively, you'll see him sometimes out on the perimeter and, and, and outside the zone and not as much in the paint. So his role is definitely changing. I mean, definitely changing on this team. And a lot of it really has to do with the fact that they're playing a lot different, especially with the way they play Chris Paul. Yeah, I think the Chris Paul thing is a really underrated factor to this conversation. Chris Paul obviously just has not been the same guy this year. Not just his shot and not just his willingness to shoot, but just in general, more off-the-ball stuff, less of the initiator, less of the guy who's moving the ball around. Now, can can this team get where they want to go if DA doesn't fill that points void? I think they can, but yeah. then it becomes all on Mikel Bridges, right? And Cam Johnson when he returns. Now it becomes comes because somebody out of that group had to step up and kind of fill the points of no Chris Paul or injured Chris Paul or less of a Chris Paul. And I think they can fill that spot. But if DA's not going to be the guy, if DA's going to be same old DA, then it really puts the emphasis on Mikel to step up and be that guy every night and Cam to be that guy every night. That's really the only way they can survive DA being the same. But that's the thing. DA's been... I think even less of a version of himself so far this year. It's not even like he's been the same guy that he right. was last year, don't you think? Yeah, but I think that's a lot of it is how they're playing. I mean, listen, here's the reality. You know, he is the one guy on this team that can't self-create. He can't dribble and shoot. Everybody else on this team, even like Landale, even Bismack Biombo at times, these guys can dribble. DA can't dribble to shoot the basketball. Every other guy on his team could do it. So he's not fluid. He can't really play in space. He's used to being in confined spots. You know, let me get the ball here. I'll just go up and score. Let me get the ball here. But now you're asking him to play in space more and you're not doing the the screen and rolls as much. So it has affected him. Now, if you go back to just, you know, let's just do screen and rolls. He'll get you 18 and 12. I mean, but they're not playing that way because they're playing Chris differently and asking him to play in space is not something that he's really accustomed to. I think he can. I've always thought, and I don't know if you agree with this or not, that that's sort of the evolution of DA. The mid-range jumper? Well, the, the, the playing in space part, right? Because he's got, he struggles to catch the ball sometimes. We know that. We've seen that plenty over the last few years. But there have been flashes of these moments where he'll do a dribble drive to the hoop and you'll go, oh, oh, yeah, that yeah. right there. Right. That, more of that. You can do that. It's there. It's in you. You have it. And that's, that's, that is the part of his offensive game I would much rather see him work on than the three point shot. And the three point shot, he really doesn't work on no. that much. No. But the ability to handle the ball in space, to aggressively attack the rim by setting yourself up rather than posting up or like you say on a short pick and roll kind of thing where it's you know pass, dribble, dribble, shoot or whatever. I want to see him. I'm at the top of the key. I'm at the top of the circle. I've got the ball and I can create a shot. He's done it. He just doesn't do it a lot. Which makes me think he doesn't have a lot of confidence in himself to do it a lot. That's the part of his game that for him to truly be worth the $30 million a year they're paying him, 
that's the part of his game that's got to grow. Well, you it's got to get better. If Embiid or, no, or, or Jokic are out on the perimeter, those guys could back you down by dribbling, dribbling, back you down. A couple of them, they each have a few moves that they could do. DA doesn't have that. I mean, every time you see DA get the ball at the three point line and then I'm going to dribble, dribble, I'm going to back somebody, that's not him. So again, he's a, he's a guy that's very used to playing in confined spaces and now you're putting him out there a little bit more in space and it's just not so he's not a fluid player he hasn't been able to prove that that he could play in space matter of fact, he, he can't so you know and again his inability to to create and shoot for himself when everybody else does it it's hurt him this year it's hurt him and with that without chris dominating the screen and roll game because you know he's the best he's a master at it without chris dominating that that's taking away some of his because i've been I, I, you know, I've been dumbfounded by his lack of being elite def- an elite defensive rebounder because that's always something he's been great at being elite defensive rebounder. But with all the switching they're doing defensively, like it's he's not being put in the positions to grab those rebounds. Yeah, I, I, I certainly think that's. I mean, his rebounds are he's at seven and a half so far this year. Right, I know. I mean, that's so bad. That's two and a half, almost three rebounds per game less than where he was a year ago playing in fifty eight games. Maybe not as big a part. Of of it uh, as the switching and all that stuff, but certainly something else that has been a part of it has been his fouls. Three and a half per game. He is averaging about four minutes less per game so far this year than he did last year for the season. And I think his foul, it's been, he's usually a very savvy player about staying out of foul trouble, but his personal fouls per game are up from a year ago. His minutes per game are down from a year ago so far. So he's not even on the floor. And I'm, frankly, some of that too. Look, let's call it like it is. Jock Landale has fit into this offense seamlessly. Seamlessly. There's a reason to keep him out there a little bit longer. He, I mean, look, we talked yesterday about fit guys. Landale's been a fit guy. James Jones knew how he was going to fit into this team. Landale's fit. Perfectly. Yeah. Perfect. Right. And when they got him, it was like, okay, he's a little different. I like him a little bit more than I liked Koji and Lee. Koji just can't shoot the basketball. He's had a hard time getting on the court. Lee has been buried at the bottom of the bench in Golden State. He's played a lot more than I thought he would, although I'm still like this. Still, I'm not a big fan of his. He's a, to me, he's not a top 10 guy in the rotation. He's an 11 or a 12 guy. But Landell's the one guy that has proven, like, even over Bismack Biombo. And, like, I would rather have, seeing it now, I'd rather have Landell than JaVel McGee. Like, I'd much rather have Landale than JaVale McGee. He does a lot of things differently. So I've been very impressed by him. The Innings Festival is back. The two-day music festival featuring Green Day, Eddie Vedder, Weezer, The Offspring, and so much more returns to Tempe Beach Park on February 25th and 26th. Tickets just went on sale. You can head to the contest page at ArizonaSports.com for complete details and your chance to win tickets. When you talk about blame with the Arizona Cardinals, and we just had a conversation with Steve Keim about this, it's fair and reasonable to talk about that all the way to the top of the organization. How fair is it? We'll talk next. Burns and Gambo. Football Friday with Burns and Gambo. Presented by 72 Soul. Arizona Sports. The local sports leader. John Gambadoro, Dave Burns here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. We're live from the Akchen Community Studios, and certainly on Monday when we're all back in here together, it's straight up 2 o'clock. Cardinals-Rams is going to be topic numero uno because 
look, we've made our feelings pretty clear on this since the beginning of the week, right? We thought Seattle was it, was the last stand, was the lose that and there's not really a path and we can't see it. Um, it can be argued, and our colleague and friend Jess Root over CardsWire.com argued today there there's... There is a path that gets them, that allows them to leapfrog a bunch of teams in the NFC, but you gotta beat the Rams this weekend. It's non-negotiable without a, a victory against the Rams. Okay. We talked about that. But if this season is truly done, and if they're not going to make the playoffs, well, we talked with Steve Kime about it earlier. We start talking about the blame game and whose fault is it and who's responsible for it. There was a column on AZ Central from our colleague Ken Summers talking about Michael Bidwell. And his role in that, the blame that he has. Where do we put him on that list? How responsible do we hold him? Yeah, for this? I, I think everything's got to start at the top, right? I mean, it's, you know, there's, you know, there's a lot of blame to go around, around for a team that's three and six and floundering and their defense has given up 30 points in the last three games and their offense. I mean, what they crossed midfield three times last week against Seattle. I mean, it's, you know, there's, there's a lot, there's a lot going wrong. But what Ken points out is simply giving extensions to guys when you didn't have to. And I think that's one of the things he's looking at, that Michael would be in a much better position now if he didn't give, like Cliff Kingsbury had two years left on his deal, and Steve had a year left on his deal, and you still had Kyler under contract. You could have played it out and tagged him if things got, if he played really well and he didn't want to leave. So, you know, Ken's point was that, that Bidwell should have waited a year before he started handing out the extensions, and then if he, if he had, then, you know, he, you know, he'd have a lot more options available to him. If you, which I still think he does. I mean, it's just the only one that you really can't get out of if you don't want to is is the Kyler one. You're stuck with Kyler because of that contract. And I don't know that, you know, I, I don't know that even if Kyler, the year he's having right now, I don't know you're going to sit there after this year and be like, okay, let's get rid of Kyler Murray and get a new quarterback in. Yeah. The kid's had some success. He's done some really good things. It's just he's he's regressed this year. He's gone backwards. Yeah, I mean, if we're talking about the, the trifecta of decisions in terms of the extensions, Cliff and Kime and Kyler and whether you should have or shouldn't have or you could have or you couldn't have. I mean, look, you know how I feel about Cliff and Steve. I would have waited on that, too. I was I was you know this. I was never, ever a fan of giving the extensions. I never saw the reason for doing it. I, I understand rewarding a job well done and the improvement of the organization, but because you didn't have to. But I also understood your point of it, which was if you want to untie that knot, you can untie that knot. You know, it's, it's, if you want to, no matter what, how long of an extension you give your general manager or coach, if you want to undo that, you can undo that. That, that knot comes yeah. undone really easily. Yep. You're not undoing the Kyler knot. Okay, that's 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 one of those knots. That's where a Boy you, Scout knot right there. Seriously, where you like take off your shoe while it's still tied because you can't undo the knot. That's you a double to, knot. Yeah, you have to undo it after you get the shoe off your foot because you just it's like stuck. You can't get it off. Kyler's not going anywhere. And I'll be honest with you, I still tie my shoes with two bows. You right? Yeah, two bows. Like rabbit ear, two rabbit, rabbit ears, ears. two wow. rabbit ears. Yeah, I don't know how to do it the other way. <laughs> two rabbit ears. It's the only way I've ever known. I tied my shoes. Um. That's why they come undone all the time. Kyler, I still probably would have given the extension. I really would have. I We I, both I, agreed. I, you're I, better on Kyler. I mean, you, you, you're, you're damned if you do, damned if you don't. Because if you in, did, in some ways. If you didn't and you were right, 
Okay, if you didn't and you were right, and you say, oh, you know what, on second that point, I'm glad we didn't make him our franchise. Well, guess what? You need to find another franchise quarterback. And and while that's fine, you can go in the draft and get one if you want to, and you can start that whole process over that is also fraught with danger because chances are you could pick the wrong guy. You know, you you could go looking for your next franchise quarterback, and it might take you five years, ten years before you find the next guy. I always thought, and I still believe, you had to take the chance on Kyler because if he was your franchise quarterback, but he went and did it somewhere else, that's the biggest mistake the organization could make. You can't let him be great somewhere else. You had to lock him up to see if he could be great here. Yeah, I, no, I agree. The fear is that he's just going to be that he's just going to be an average, you know, a Jay Cutler type quarterback, good enough to want to keep but not not great enough to win you a Super Bowl but not bad enough to want to get rid of like is this you know a guy that's going to be around an organization for you know eight nine ten years uh, a Philip Rivers a Jake Cutler there's been plenty of those guys throughout the years and or maybe even Tony Romo with Dallas like you just you're not going to win you anything but man you don't want to get rid of the guy because he's just good enough to want to keep but even those guys get paid yeah, right. No, they do even, because even, you could, he, yeah. Look, see, Kirk Cousins. I know he's having a good year this year, but for his career, guys made like Kirk Cousins exactly quarter of a billion dollars, yeah. and he's been a very mediocre quarterback. Right. Matthew Stafford before last year's Super Bowl, very mediocre quarterback, at least in terms of wins and losses. Made a his lot stats of money. Going to be a lot of money. Yep. You know all those. If even if you're an average quarterback, because teams are scared to death of the alternative, those guys get paid because teams are scared to death. If we get rid of this guy and we go looking for a franchise quarterback that could take 10 years to find him yeah. and we don't want to waste 10 years looking for the next franchise uh, quarterback. Kent points, Kent, Kent says in his story, Cardinals failed to adequately address the most basic needs. Pass rusher, offensive line, cornerback. None of their edge rushers currently has more than one and a half sacks. Look, we know, we knew when they, they I was a big fan of not paying Chandler Jones and the reason why, because I didn't think he was any good and he's not. He's the worst free agent signing in the NFL by the, by, by the Las Vegas Raiders. I mean, they're kicking themselves like how did, who suckered them into signing Chandler Jones? That guy's going to get fired. Whoever wanted Chandler Jones, that guy's probably going to get fired because that's been an utter disaster. But we talked about okay, you're not going to sign Chandler. Where, where's the pass rush going to come from? They drafted two guys in Cameron Thomas and Majai Sanders. Haven't seen enough of them to really know how good they're going to be. You hoping Zach Gallon would improve? He's improved. He's a good player. Marcus Golden. It gave him a little bit more money. Thought that he could be a double digit sack guy. Look, I mean, we're halfway through the season. I don't know that I mean, you're not going to have anybody get, I don't know if you're going to get anybody with seven sacks this year from the Cardinals. No. Forget about ten. No. No, I don't know if you are either. I, I, look, if I'm going to, if I'm going to blame, for lack of a better word, if I'm going to blame Michael Bidwell for anything that has gone down, I, I, I just, it would be making sure that guys aren't too comfortable around there, you know? That, yes. that guys, that that would be, and I think that's kind of the root complaint about the extensions you know yeah were they were they rewards for jobs well done of course you could make that argument when you increase your win total by three or four games every year and I understand that argument but at the same time given how fragile everything ended last year and that's the lens you got to look at this through at least the lens I look at how it through. fragile it ended how, yeah. yeah I mean okay this time a year ago life was grand man and everyone's going to get paid. Everyone's doing a great job. And what, what ever since then, Milo was going to be the MVP. It fell apart. And so, with that as the backdrop, 
to still reward those guys, to still give them that level of comfort, even though everything was so fragile. That, to me, is the part where Michael's got to, you know, he doesn't care about my opinion. He doesn't care about my advice, I wouldn't imagine. But I would think I wouldn't want those guys to feel too comfortable with the job they had done because things were a mess by the end of the year last year. They got humiliated against the Rams. They couldn't win a single game when it came to clinching a playoff spot. Well, you we lived with Seattle. all of that. Right? Home. You had a home playoff game. And so that, that to me, was why, are you sure you want to extend them? Or do you maybe want to still make them feel a little uncomfortable to see what they're going to do this year? That's where I would put fault at this when it comes to Michael. Yeah, listen, I mean, it's, again, everything starts at the top. I mean, even with the Suns, right? It started with Sarver. I mean, everywhere, the Diamondbacks, it starts with Ken Kendrick. It always starts at the top. I mean, those are the people that ultimately make the decisions. Now, Michael, you know, Michael has been a, a big supporter of Steve and he's a supporter of Cliff. And, you know, he believed that they have the right combination there. When we had the last time we had Michael on the show, he talked about hiring Cliff. You want to hire the offensive guy? Because if, you know, the offensive guy, if you've got a defensive coach and the offensive coordinator's kicking ass and that guy's going to get hired by somebody else. So that's why you want the offense. Michael was a big believer in the offensive guy needs to be your head coach from the last conversation we had, Tim, because that prevents that guy from being hired by another team. When we come back, there's a lot going on tonight. There's a lot going on this weekend in Valley Sports. We are at the turn here on Burns and Gambo. We'll get you caught up. Four o'clock reset is next.